Father, we come to you now to give thanks. Father, with my heart, I see your graciousness. With my life, I see your mercy. And Father, we come now as we sing to you that it be your will, that it would be your purpose, that it would be your passion in our lives. Father, the war rages. And Father, there are many casualties. And yet, Father, we are here for such a time as this. Father, beginning with my own heart and any that you would draw near to me. Father, may we walk worthy. May I focus upon what it is you are doing. May my death to self be all-inclusive. And in my King, my Savior, it would not be I who is seen, but Christ seen in me. Father, your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Father, your ways are beyond our ways. And yet, by your privilege and your mercy, you allow us to be a part of your eternal kingdom. And Father, affect the souls of men to that kingdom. Thank you, my Lord, for what you've shown me. Thank you, my Lord, for what you are doing. Thank you, my Lord, for what lays before. To you and you alone, my Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. We have been studying uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and uh, being that we are partaking of the Lord's table this day, it's always a time of reflection, um, and it should be rightly so, but it is a, a bigger time of reflection for myself than normal. Um, Ten years ago, I walked behind this pulpit, and it was this pulpit. It was in a different building, but it was this pulpit. And I read these words. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside in, as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with the blood, with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. And that's where it began. That's where it began. I was not sure what to say on this day. I had sought the counsel of my wife. Um... I have sought the face of my king, and um, it's a very humbling time. When I think uh, about the Wheelers, I think about the Barris, uh, Karen and Salentine, I think about uh, 
those who were here, Joanne McDaniel, who were here the first time that I, uh, I had privilege to speak. And uh, even to this day, it overwhelms me. I was uh, sharing with somebody, I don't remember if it was through the week or last Sunday night. Um, I don't know anything that I've poured 10 years into that was legal. Well, at least I'm honest. Uh, and yet, I come today perhaps perplexed, perhaps uh, overwhelmed, confused, I don't know. So I want to take you back on my path. Who am I and why am I here? I've had people ask me in these 10 years, how did you know you were called to preach? <laughs> I said I uh, I didn't know. I just happened to be the only one standing there. And um, yet God has done immeasurably more than I could have uh, asked. If you would turn with me to the letter to the Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> When I evaluate my life and then uh, search my soul, we'll be looking at verses 8 and 9 to start with. <clears throat> when I do these things, when I ask my king his will, I ask my king his purpose, where would you have me? What would you have me do? What direction? This letter to the church in Philippi a lot of times comes into my, my thinking process. And when I think about who I am, I am first and foremost a child of the eternal God. And you who are children of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords can embrace this. In verse 8, he says, finally, brethren, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. When I regard my 10 years as the senior pastor, but... I guess it's 14 years as an elder. I can go through that list and say, have I been true? Have I been honorable? Have I sought what was right? Have I sought that that is pure? Have I sought that that is lovely? And have I sought that that is of good repute? If there is any excellence in any, 
if anything worthy of praise. Dwell on these. Anybody here struggle with dwelling on the negative? Why is that? You ever wondered that? Why is it that God can back up a dump truck full of blessing and in the middle of it you find the one pin and it sticks you and that's the one you remember? But Paul says here that we are to dwell on the things that are true and honorable and right and lovely and good repute, excellent, worthy of praise. It is difficult to stand up on this day and say, what has the Lord done? It is easy to remember my shortcomings. It is easy to remember my failures. It is easy to remember the things that I have, uh, I feel like I have made a mess of. And yet my brother Paul pierces me and says, if it is worthy of praise, dwell on it. When I took the time of teaching 10 years ago, um, I think it was me and uh, Willie and Hank were the elders. And uh, they asked me if I would fill in until we found somebody. Hank has left, and I wish Willie would hurry. Because the text that I was studying at that time that still rings in my head almost on a daily basis is verse 9. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. That verse 9 is the summary of discipleship. When I think about the Great Commission in Matthew 28, go teach them the things that I have taught you. It's easy to be a teacher today in the church. Did you know that? The reason that it's easy is very few people in the congregation would ever know whether you have really studied or not. Uh, the church is inept in their, in their handling of the Word of God. Therefore, to be a teacher in the house of God is simple. It's common knowledge among many that most teachers are only a paragraph ahead of the students. Or they have the uh, teacher's guide. It's interesting. One of the things that I have learned is is that as you study your scriptures, you will learn, you will receive, and you will hear. But will it be seen in you? I know many this day who have a lot here. But it ain't here. 
And if you really think about it, it ain't but that far. I mean, then gravity should be able to pull the bugger down. Uh, but what I have found is, is that God usually takes a huge hammer to drive it from here to here. Never seen anything like it. As I stand before you this day, I have to ask myself, am I willing to stand before a holy God and say, my Father, my God, my Savior, the things that have been seen in me, I would wish from the people who are around me. But I can always turn it and ask you, how are you doing? Would you be willing to stand before a holy God and say, these people here followed my example? Interesting prospect, don't you think? Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we'll start with. I love the book of Second Timothy. It means, it means a lot to me. Um, it's not a very big book, but it is definitely packed. Um, let's just pick it up. Verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The word be strong in the grace that is in is literally translated out of the Greek. Stand in that grace. Stand firm. It it has the idea that regardless of what's going on around you, you stand right there. You don't waver. You don't blow in the breeze. You be a foundation that all men can see regardless of what is happening. And he says, my son, be strong in that grace. Stand firm in that grace. And then he explains it. Verse 2. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses... And trust these to faithful men who are able to teach others also. Interesting in our society today that that verse is there. Most people who uh, come to a church are wanting to know, is the church going to pursue me? Is the church going to act like they care for me? Is the church going to call me? Are they going to email me? Will they you know, reach out to me. And yes, we are to do that. But there's an interesting wording here that says, entrust these to faithful men. To faithful men. There are people in the body of Christ today who I classify as non-faithful. There are those in the body of Christ today that I classify as faithful. 
And those who are faithful, we pour ourselves into. Those who are not, we, we spill it on them occasionally. And part of that is, is part of that understanding is as God works in our hearts individually, he will start opening up whatever it is he's going to give you, whatever responsibility he has for you, whatever passion he desires. We sang a song that says, take my will. Um, Are we really willing to do that? I mean, we sit here today, we're, we're here at church and, and we're, we're happy to be here. Maybe we're not, I don't know, but we're here. Are we really willing that whatever your will, Father, so be in my life? And if you say yes, then my response would be, is it seen? Is the passion for the Savior seen in you? Because I'm already asking these questions. You've got to understand something about this. um, I've already had to look at this. Uh, And not only that, I've had to look at it for 10 years. Because if we say yes, I want your will. I want your purpose then you will have to stand. You will have to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But you know, one of the things that I have, I stand in all this day of is that he does entrust faithful men to me. Because verse three says that you will suffer hardship with me as a soldier of Christ Jesus. Uh, Some of you are veterans, some of you are not. Um, When uh, you've heard the term GI, means government issue. You took a vow when you went into the military and you gave up all rights, period. Same thing in the writing of this letter. This is Paul's last letter that he ever wrote. And... You don't have rights in the military. If the commander says charge headlong into something that will kill you, you can't say why. You just go. And he says, you will suffer hardship with me as a good soldier. Verse four, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. How many, I wonder, sitting in this place this day have grasped that? Paul says it twice in the letter to the Corinthians. Um, You're not your own. You've been bought and paid for with a price. And yet, ask yourself a question. Who has a bigger say in your life? Jesus Christ? Or you? I share this with you because this is what makes me who I am. And I have to evaluate it. 
I have to evaluate it. Verse 20 of that chapter says, Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but there are also vessels of wood and of earthenware and some of honor and some of dishonor. Verse 21 says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself of these things, what things would that be? It's an interesting list that he gives here. Um, Cleanse myself of verse 16. Avoid worldly and empty chatter. The word uh, chatter in the original language is what they call automatopoietic. Um, it's, it's the word that you and I would say, boom. Okay, we write that out, B-O-O-M. Okay, and it literally is not necessarily a word as it is a, 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 a noise. Okay, the word that he uses for chatter is la 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 la. Worldly and empty, la 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 la. Avoid yourself of that. It will lead you somewhere. Where will it lead you? Simple talk. Just talking to hear my voice. Has anybody ever been uncomfortable in silence? You've been in a room full of people and it gets quiet? And then somebody always blurts out something because, heaven forbid, it got quiet. That's what he's saying. Avoid that. Why? My grandfather said it this way. It is better... To be quiet and thought stupid than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. And we do that. And that's what he's talking about. He says, we sit around and blah, 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 blah. We'll talk about anything. Hockey, uh, football, uh, golf, garden, horses. Sorry, honey. <laughs> For what? I mean, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. But if I'm looking at this, that I am going to suffer hardship as a good soldier of Christ, I had probably better be careful. Because empty chatter, worldly, will lead to ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Harmanius and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place and they have upset the faith of some. Now he starts getting a little specific. specific. Have you ever heard the what-ifs of the Bible? I heard a great debate one time on what if Israel would have received Jesus Christ as their Messiah. then God would have been a liar. Because God said, they will reject me and crucify me. And yet I watch us at times debate insignificance, but what if? Take the doctrine that got me in so much trouble 10 years ago. Whom God foreknew, he predestined. I had no idea 10 years ago that you could get into trouble with that. Uh, I learned quickly that you can get into trouble with that. It was a very interesting response to my very first message. And yet, 
What do we debate over it? Is that not in the Bible? Well, it sure does look like it to me. Maybe your translation is different. And yet, what happens when we go down the what ifs? The what ifs. Um, We do it with many things. And all you're going to do is take your presuppositions and force Scripture to bow to your presupposition. Remember Wayne one time speaking on the Scriptures said that the, the Holy Bible is like a POW, a prisoner of war. If you torture it enough, it'll say anything. And that's true. If I jump up and down on this book enough, I can make it affirm anything I wish it to affirm. But it's not a matter of me jumping up and down on it. There are men who say the resurrection has taken place. But look what he says in verse 19. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands. No, having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his and everyone who, na- who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Simple, actually. Simple, actually. Why? Stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Stay away from worldly chatter. Why? Those that are his are seen. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Okay. So I understand that the Apostle Paul set up a precedence for, for us. We looked at that in Philippians 4. And then in that precedence, you can teach, but if your life doesn't validate it, if you have not surrendered to the truth that the king has given you, you're useless. Uh, the word in the Greek is Hippocrates. Okay, and it, it means an actor. It means, it means a person who puts up a mask. Okay, it may be a funny mask. It may be a sad mask, a scary mask, or something like that. I'm teaching it, but I have a mask. Then we look and we've seen that there is a grace that is given that we are to be firm in. And we are to stand there. But we need to understand that we are in a war. We are not in a war like any man has ever, that man has ever seen. We have an enemy who is unrelenting. He will not cease to attack. And he attacks. He does not care if you are wounded. He does not abide by the Geneva Convention. And he doesn't care whether they put it on film or whether they got still pictures of it. That is not his cause. I want you to look at verse chapter 4, 1 Timothy. But the Spirit explicitly says in the latter times. When's that? When would the latter times be? I would say probably now, wouldn't you? I mean, if we get any more latter, we might be in the former. Okay? In the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Obadiah 3 says, your Arrogance has deceived your heart. That was the judgment of Israel. 
We can get so puffed up in our humility that we deceive ourselves. And it says, in the latter times, some will fall away, paying attention to deceitful spirits. Ask yourself a question. Has anybody? What does it look like? Verse 2, by means of hypocrisy of liars. Well, that's not very nice to say, is it? Acting liars. They seared in their own conscience as a branding iron. Ever seen cattle branded? It sears it. No hair grows back there. They do that to their own conscience, and they do it because they are following deceitful spirits, the doctrines of demons. They are acting liars, men who forbid marriage, advocate abstaining from food, which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. Then he makes an interesting statement. In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. (laughs) How cool is that? You ever thought about that? If you were to ask today, what is a good church? What would they say? Ask yourself a question. Today when a person seeks a good church, a good, a good teacher, a, a, a good, what do we got now, mentor or whatever, life coach and all them other things we come out with. What is good? Hmm. Pointing these things out. What things? That there are dangerous people out there. There are deceitful spirits. There's doctrines of demons. There are people with their conscience seared as with a branding iron. Some will forbid marriage. Some will uh, want you to stop eating certain kinds of food. And these should be shared gratefully with those who know truth. Why? Because everything is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Pointing these out. To the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of sound doctrine which you have been following. Ask yourself a question. How much time do you put in to thinking and preparing a meal? Okay? And I mean, you know, when you're going down the highway every once in a while, we sit... Sit around and think, well, I think I may stop at Arby's or Taco Bell or whatever, your fancy subway and all the rest of it. I need to eat here, here. How much time do you give to that? How much time do you give to the nourishment of the words of the faith and of sound doctrine? How much time do I give in gratitude for the food that I get from uh, McDonald's versus how much gratitude do I get from the food that I receive from the word of God? If I am going to be a good servant, then I would probably need to be nourished on the words of the faith. 
and sound doctrine. Why? How am I going to point out to people that there are liars out there if I do not know the word? Here's an interesting verse 7. But have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only... I didn't write this, all right? Just, I just want to give you a qualifier. Worldly fables fit only for old women. I didn't write it. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. How do I discipline myself for the purpose of godliness? Words of the faith and sound doctrine. For bodily discipline is only of little profit. Amen. But godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. How many of us exercise for physical How many of us exercise for spiritual? Then ask yourself this question. Which did I put the most energy in? Neither. (laughs) I don't know any one of them. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. For it is for this we labor and strive. That we have fixed our hope on the living God. Who is the savior of all men, especially for believers. Prescribe and teach these things. I think that's a fascinating word to prescribe something, don't you? If if you have a a, a disease, uh, an infection, they will prescribe an antibiotic to fix it, won't they? Sometimes. What happens if I have a spiritual illness? What fixes it? You can go down to the spiritual drugstore and get a prescription of, of something. Hmm. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Did you get that? That is uh, another one of those that pierce you. No, not the part about looking down on your youthfulness. But in my speech, in my conduct, in my love, in my faith, and purity, what example do we show? Till I come, give attention to public reading of the scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Do not neglect your spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterances of the laying on the hands of the presbytery. Presbytery would be the elders. I wonder who this day in the body of Christ neglect their spiritual gift. Take pains with these things. It kind of goes alongside of 
Second Timothy, when he says you're in the war, you're a soldier. A soldier's life is painful. A soldier's life is unrelenting. A soldier's life is never his own. And there's pains with these things. Be absorbed in them, he says, so that your progress will be evident to all. Did you get that? Some of you have been here from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. My prayer is, and I've asked it for my, from my king for a long time, that my progress would be evident to all. I thank many of you for tolerating me, putting up with me. I've had to grow. I've had to understand the dynamics of proclaiming truth. And I sometimes think of you and the sometimes verbiage that I am guilty of at times. And I read verse 15 and I think that you are taking pains. Verse 16 says, I am to pay close attention to myself and to my teaching and persevere in these things. For as you do this, you will ensure the salvation both of yourself and those who hear you. I want to back up to that verse again. If I am laboring in the word and in doctrine, how can your progress not be seen? That's a question. Why? The statement is made there. Do not neglect the spiritual gift that is within you. I understand what Timothy's gift is. I understand it clearly. But it also says there that we need to take pains at these things, with these things and be absorbed in them. What is that? Public reading of Scripture to exhortation and to teaching. Are we? Are we absorbed? If we are absorbed in those things, then guess what will happen? Your progress will be evident. Why? Because it is a trustworthy statement. Because bodily discipline is of little profit. Godliness is profitable for all things. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. I will conclude here quickly. I will tell you that as I stand this day before you, I rejoice that my Father has used me for many eternal things. He has used me for things that I am not worthy to bear. He's used me for things I'm not even worthy to look upon. And yet there's times I don't even understand why he saved me. 
early in my ministry, and I can't give you a specific time, in my own studies of the book of Colossians, I came across chapter 1, verses 25 through 29, if you would please follow this. I have made very many mistakes as a pastor, a shepherd. And many of you have uh, bore with me through a lot of that. Verse 25 says, Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints. That mystery is this church that you and I sit in this day. It's not the building. It's the people. It has been manifested in his saints. What is this manifestation? It is a manifestation of a loyalty, of a concern for the bride of Christ that becomes overwhelming in the people of God. Why? The church is the manifestation, the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ this day. When the church is strengthened through the proclaiming of the word and gifted people stepping up and doing their part in the power of the Holy Spirit, the whole world stands in awe of the dynamic of that thing. They do not understand it. There is a unity that exists that is only second to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It has power, that same source power that spoke existence into being, that flung the stars into the sky, who is the author of knowledge, the writer of creation, the writer of history. And God, verse 27, willed to make known that the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. When the body of believers comes together, at whatever time period they come together, there is a unity that takes place that bonds those people and the power of the Holy Spirit, that there is no grumbling, there's no murmuring, there's no bickering. There is only the things of God first and foremost among the souls of God's people. For whatever reason, God says that He has made me a minister according to the stewardship from Him. Verse 28 says, We proclaim Him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom. Why? So that we may present every man complete in Christ. Verse 29. For this purpose also I labor, 
striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Anyone who would try to do this in their own power can't decide if they're insane, arrogant, or foolish. Probably a, um, a mixture of both, of all three. For 10 years, that has been my passion present every single one of you complete in Christ. And I only know one way to do that, and that is through the Scriptures. I want to conclude with this. My passion for this body of people I the prisoner of the Lord implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience showing tolerance for one another in love being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is one body, one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. things that you have received, things that you have heard, things that you have seen in me. Do these things. Let's pray. Father, I don't understand. Your ways are not my ways. Father, it is your will that I am here. Father, may I never be ungrateful. Father, may I never take any of these people for granted. Father, I lift this body of people to you that they will walk worthy. Father, that they would do it in humility. Father, we would do it in gentleness. We would do it with patience and long-suffering. We would show a tolerance for one another in love. Father, we would be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Father, let us draw upon the strength of the one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Father, may this body of people be a picture 
of our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, there's no human capable of that. So we beg you now, accomplish that. In Christ's precious name, amen.